0: Radio personality, Deborah Honeycutt, revealing stories from the red carpet to parenthood on three hours of sleep. Doctors recommend eight hours of sleep nightly for proper brain function. Anything less can cause mental malfunction. And now on three hours sleep, here's your host, Deborah Honeycutt.
1: Hello. Thank you for joining me, Deborah Honeycutt, on three hours of sleep. This is episode 14. And that's hard for me to believe. Episode 14. This one's titled, He Called Me Disheveled. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing because I'm joined by the he in that statement. It's actually, he called me disheveled. What one word best describes you? And I'm talking about uh, my friend, Jim Dahl. When I say he, you will recognize his, his, I think you have a DJ voice, Jim. I think you have a very deep voice. You could do radio. I've
0: heard, heard a lot of people tell me that.
1: Really? Okay. Well, if you listen to episode four, things we don't talk about, this is the same Jim. He actually is uh, not just a good friend, but lives, we live in the same neighborhood. So we're neighbors. Separated by a few streets. And I gotta I gotta brag on you for a second, Jim, because I haven't told you this yet. See episode four, I was only a few in. And to this day, you are my second most downloaded podcast.
0: Listen to that.
1: I know. (laughs) I hate to share because the ego will expand. And I'll I'll tell, for those of you listening, there's a reason why I feel like Jim resonated with some of my audience, and I'm going to share it specifically toward the end of this podcast. So you definitely want to stick around for that. It would be something that you could adopt yourself. And so we'll get to that here in just a bit. First, I had promised in a few episodes that we would eventually talk about he called me disheveled. What one word best describes you? And there's a a story behind it. So I'm 49 now, Jim, you around my, I think it was my 40th birthday is when you threw that word out there. And at the time I really didn't think much of it. I mean, I knew you were kidding because we have a a sarcastic uh, sense of humor that we both share, but I really thought about it over the years. It actually became sort of an inside joke, like a running theme between us. If something happened on on the radio where I shared, you know, some silly story, you would send off a text, just one word, disheveled. (laughs) And so for those listening right now who may not know, in addition to the podcast, I'm part of a morning show and I would love for you to listen to Jim, Deb, and Kevin. We are a country music radio station and um, we have the best time in the morning. So we're a morning show. Jim, Deb, and Kevin, it's 95.5 WFMS and we're based here in Indianapolis and you can stream us you know wherever you are we have people that listen in australia and japan and other parts of the country so jim mentioned this and i w- i don't know if we've ever really discussed specifically you gave me one statement when i asked you why did you say that my 40th birthday my husband had planned a limo my sisters and their husbands joined us a couple of friends we came and picked you up and you mentioned it in the limo do you remember why
0: i don't exactly it's just it it just seems like all aspects of your life are hectic and chaotic and you're dropping phones, you're breaking screens. It, it just came to my mind. It's like your life is disheveled and <laughs> I didn't mean it as an insult in any way and I still it's just you have a lot of balls in the air and yeah. at, at times it seems uh, overwhelming and, and confusing.
1: Sometimes a little scattered.
0: Yes, I would say that's very accurate.
1: So when I asked you about this in the limo, your statement was a little more brief than that. (laughs) Uh, In the limo, you said, it just seems like getting from point A to point B takes a lot out of you and you're just disheveled. And I think if I remember right, you know, this was a surprise, the limo, the birthday party, and I didn't know about it. And so Greg's like, hurry. And I don't hurry, you know, and so I have to allow myself so much time. And so... I was trying to get going, and I knew we had a limo waiting. And so I think by the time I got to you guys, I was like, oh, "I wasn't planning on this, you know, and it just kind of threw me off. And so you threw it out there. I do love that about you as you're very honest and kind of tell it like it is. And oddly enough, you aren't the first person, I mean, you're the first person to use the word disheveled. But my sisters would often say, because Sunday family dinners are big in my house in my family, and, And so one of them would host. And when I would get to their house, because they both live in Fishers, it's easier for us to gather there. A few years back, one of them said or remarked, Deb, it just seems like you're always stressed out when you get here. (laughs) And they're not wrong. You know, I'd be like, well, I am. You know, it's a lot to try and gather up the kids and get things going and keep people on a deadline. I don't think I really thought about until I heard their comment, until I heard your comment, how people perceive me. It wasn't so much that you said it because I thought it was funny at the time and, and you weren't wrong, but it was, well, is this the perception that I'm putting out there into the world? It got me thinking a lot about it. And uh, for those listening right now, is the perception you have of yourself the same as others perceive you? And I think that I was, I had two different things going on. In my mind, I thought people just think I'm busy. You know, and that might be accurate, but it's coming off as completely unorganized. And 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 quit nodding your head. (laughs) I see you (laughs) nodding your head.
0: (laughs) I'll stop you when I disagree.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it looks like that will never happen. The entire, the entire episode. We've known each other long enough that we can joke about it now. But for those listening, I'm wondering if if you were to go and ask three people to describe you in one word, is it a word you're going to want to hear? Not that I think that we should put a lot of emphasis on worrying about what other people think, but this was really good for me. It was a good exercise in, in you sharing this, you know, outside looking in opinion and my sisters saying what they did. I thought, gosh, I don't want that to be what people know me as. And then it proceeded on over the years until finally um, I was going to work for a concert. I know you remember this because you were actually hosting a birthday dinner for your wife, who is my dear friend, Tina. And I went to the concert and I, let's just sum it up as it was a bad night. And I'll, I'll give you a quick run through of what happened, but I'm heading out to the show and I realize that I'm low on gas. And so I make a mental note, fill up when I get in the car to come back home, I'm going to need to. Now keep in mind, I'm also coming to Tina's birthday celebration, coming late, joining in progress after my duties. So I tell myself, now I'm going to be a little bit later because I have to stop and, and fuel up. I get to the concert and I go to get out of the car and, you know, you don't leave your belongings in the vehicle. So I'm going to take my purse inside. And I realize I didn't even bring my purse. So I, in my disheveled rush, walk out with no purse, which now I have no way to pay for that fuel that should have been in my vehicle. <laughs> And for those who can't see, Jim is laughing. So I get inside and I tell the guys that I work with who are very aware of my disheveled self, what happened. And one of them pulls out a $20 bill and he says, Deb, put fuel in your car on your way home. And I said, thank you so much. And I will make sure I pay you back with interest on Monday. I'm going to make this worth your while. So knowing I have to stop and get gas, I hadn't forgotten it. I get in the car. I'm looking for the first gas station nearby. It's about five minutes down the road. Now, keep in mind, I'm right now on the E marker in my car, on my gas gauge. Do you ever let yours get there, Jim?
0: Uh, Rarely. My father always impressed on me that if you're at half a tank and you're driving somewhere on the interstate, you got to fill up because what if you get into a traffic jam? So that kind of resonates in my head.
1: You could go a long time with a half a tank Oh, right. in a traffic. You can go a long time in a traffic jam
0: conditioning on me, you know, cause I, I can't sweat. So,
1: okay. Let me ask you one more question about fuel. When you stop, do you fill it up? Because sometimes I'm like, mm, I'm in a hurry. I got time for $10. I'll fill it up later.
0: No, always fill it up and always try and stop on the dollar or 50 cents or 20. Never like 1983
1: <laughs> ever. Okay. And that doesn't surprise me. If those who listened to episode four with Jim will remember, you're very, I said rigid, but you used a different word. You said structured, I think. Structured. Yes. All right. So that doesn't surprise me. I'm not like that because again, I'm always on the go. And so I'm like, I got, I got time for 10 bucks or I got time for $12 and I got to hit the road. And so that's probably what happened and why I was low. So I pull into this gas station. I pulled in, but see, I normally don't have cash. Do you carry cash?
0: I always have cash on me.
1: I like to use my debit card because it's the same thing. So I pull in. Normally I would pay at the pump. That's not an option because I don't have my handy debit card. I have someone's 20 that was loaned. So I walk inside and I say, I need to pay 20 bucks at at pump five. And then I get back in my car, you know, do my thing. and, And I head home. I'm on the way to your house when I'm talking to my mother on the cell phone. And I looked down and I realized not only was it on E driving home from the concert, we're now below the red warning line, you know, the, the freak out line. And I instantly get so upset with myself. And I, I said to my mom, I'm going to have to go, mom. I, I just figured out what I did wrong. So driving from the gas station to your house, it dawned on me because I'm not used to walking inside and paying in cash. That when my mom called me walking back to my car I got in and I drove away.
0: Never pumped the gas.
1: So I never pumped the gas. So technically, I donated. I made a donation to the gas station and I never got anything out of it. So all kidding aside here, this is the moment where I got very angry with myself and I got tears in my eyes. I got tears in my eyes because I don't understand why I do the things that I do. You know, I understand that I'm normally not used to paying in cash, but why couldn't I recall? Why couldn't I remember the reason that I was there, which was to put fuel in my car? So I get to your house. And of course, I'm explaining the whole thing. And I was just beside myself. But that's what got me thinking, maybe he's right. You know, not that I really questioned you before, but maybe there's a reason or a science behind the fact that I'm disheveled.
0: So can I tell one more story about uh, a similar (laughs) situation? these all seem to happen around birthdays. So, (laughs)
1: okay. Do I, do I, okay. I know the story. Can I just tell you, I know what you're going to say. I had this story in my outline and I thought, nope, no, I'm deleting that one, (laughs) but go ahead. I'm an open book. Go ahead.
0: It was my 50th birthday. I'm a little older than you and Greg. And um, I believe party, and we had an intimate dinner group of a small group of people, my brother and my wife's sister and husband and our neighbors who made the dinner. And so we were gonna say six o'clock was dinner for this small intimate group and another larger group of uh, friends were coming over around eight. We're sitting there at about 6.10 just getting into our meal and our dining room looks out to the front of our house and here come Deb and Greg walking up our sidewalk.
1: So I'm supposed to be there at eight Eight,
0: and, and you this show is like, up at six, 10, which is 10 minutes late of what you probably thought. <laughs> correct. So I don't know where six o'clock came into your head.
1: I, I, all I knew is he's very punctual. I need to be early. <laughs> you guys handled it very well. You handled it very well. But I remember thinking, how did I screw this up? You know? And so, yes, I keep a calendar. I promise I do. I don't know what happened. Well, do you ever tell Tina, like, why are you friends with her?
0: <laughs> never, never would I say that. Our friendship.
1: Well, I appreciate your friendship, too. And I'm glad to have you on on this episode, because honestly, I don't think I'm the only one that's like this. I might be the only one that you know that's like this.
0: Uh, Yes, to this degree. Yes. I would never, I guess, in my head have described someone else as disheveled
1: to this degree. Boy, I feel so fortunate. You really paint a wonderful picture. Well, I'm going to tell you, for those who have listened to the podcast, they know that I'm um, that I'm writing my first book and I thought it was very fitting because in the very beginning of the book, uh, sort of similar to an introduction, there's a, a portion that's called a note from me and. I share a little bit about me, but I just go ahead and put it out there and uh, I'm going to read it to you now. You know, I'm referring to my friend, Jim, who is featured here with me today. It says, I'm Deborah. I'm disheveled. Not the most flattering of words, but let's call a spade a spade because it's true. A friend told me this once, not as an insult because he's a straight shooter, but as an observation. And I asked him what he meant and he was honest. Quote, it seems like you're always running from point A to point B and, you know, exhausted. (laughs) And Jim, you're right, because I do lose stuff all the time. I lose my keys, my phone, my mind half the time. And I survive on very little sleep, hence the name Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep for the podcast. And I do have several projects that I seem to have going at once. So multitasking is a requirement. But then that's what led me to really focus on what I'm putting out there into the world. Maybe some people would have been insulted by your statement, but It led me to a very important doctor's appointment. And I share a lot about this in the book. You know, after that gas station incident, I think I'd realized enough was enough, you know, because all of these things can be funny moments. But then after a while, you kind of get sick of being the butt of everybody's joke. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't meant as an insult. It was more an observation.
1: And I took it that way. I've never been upset with you that you said it. I think I mentioned this to a couple of people and they're like, were you ticked? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, I really wasn't. You have to know, you have to know, Jim, because I don't know a better way to describe you other than very blunt. You just put out there what your thoughts are. So I never, there's no sugar coating. I never have to wonder how you feel about certain things. You're not subtle.
0: That is fair. Yes.
1: Has it gotten you in trouble over the years?
0: It has. It it has for sure. Have you changed? emotions on my sleeve. And uh, my wife always says that, you know, just... Just smile and don't, (laughs) because if someone says something or does something that irritates me, they're going to know it from across the room.
1: So she wants you to have what, a better poker face?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: I do like her advice. Just smile. Don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) It gets you in trouble. Okay. So you've never called anybody else disheveled. My sisters weren't wrong when they said that I sometimes show up and I'm a little stressed out. So I did take it upon myself after the whole gas station incident to make a doctor's appointment. And I'll share more exactly with what happened in the book at that doctor's appointment, but I can give you a little bit of of what I wrote. I won't share all of it, but I'll give you a little bit of what I wrote. To recap that evening, I was low on fuel. I didn't take my purse or money. I borrowed money. I stopped for fuel. I paid for the fuel. I didn't pump the fuel. So I donated money. And then I panicked all the way home as my fuel gauge dropped below E. I wrote that I was angry for days at my lack of planning and poor decision making. And I decided to schedule an appointment to see my doctor. After all, maybe my friend, referring to Jim, was on something when he called me disheveled on my 40th birthday. So I sat in the doctor's office a week later. Dr. W smiled with his glasses resting low on his oversized nose and asked what brought me in. Well, I took a deep breath. I had a moment last week where I got really upset with myself and I was all over the place. And it's probably nothing, but I figured I should come in and talk to you about it. Like I said, you may tell me it's nothing, and then this will all be a silly and total waste of time. Dr. W. paused long enough to grab my attention, and then he responded, or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) You can find out the rest when the the book is completed and written, but I would like to thank you because it did bring a lot to my attention. I think sometimes we do get so busy in the world that we live in, and it's a very fast-paced world. And instant gratification and not for everybody because you're obviously more of a planner. But for some people, we get more focused on getting from A to B and rushing around than we do focused on really enjoying the moments. For me, that's what I took away from it. Not so much what other people think of me because I really usually don't care. But after you hear it from my sisters and a good friend, then I started thinking, what are they seeing that I'm really not keying in on and I feel like I am more purposeful with how I live my life now and I feel like my mindset is a little bit more focused now you can't go and totally change somebody that's just not going to happen but I would say that you know what you guys had said to me I took to heart and then when my son moved I had such a hard time with that that all of that stuff combined allowed me to focus in on being a little more aware of my existence and 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 how I come across to people because I don't think I was enjoying my life. I think I was checking boxes to say, I got the birthday party in. Okay. I did my work duties and all these things were happening and those were huge red flags. And I wasn't really enjoying it like I should be. I don't like to thank you very often, but I'm going to tell you, thank you.
0: Well, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Now, if you had to describe yourself in one word, Jim, what would it be?
0: I would have to say misunderstood and it I'm going to have to explain why misunderstood, but please do. So you say I'm rigid, right? I say I'm structured. So, um, but again, it's your observation that I'm a very rigid person. I would say I'm very structured, which to me is, is less rigid than, you know, uh, what you see. We've spoke about wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I do. If someone is irritating me, or bugs me, they're going to know it. I just can't hide the fact that people irritate.
1: Okay. Give me a second on that because most people would not share. They wouldn't want to offend somebody. So can you give me an example of something someone does that irritates you and how you are sharing that with them where it doesn't totally anger them?
0: I guess a good example, recently, yesterday, um, a group, who I play in a golf group on weekends and it's 12 to 24 guys that play. And there's a group that goes out in front. That is a fivesome typically in front of foursomes and they were holding us up yesterday. And I mean, by the time we made the turn and they were still on the patio and they were going to let us play through, but it was very evident that I was very irritated. Um, that this group had held us up for nine holes
1: verbalizing Um, that
0: one of them said jokingly as our group was approaching the clubhouse oh you know we're almost done eating we'll go grab the tea and three off on the back nine and no none of us said anything and then i walked up onto the patio and he said it again and i kind of looked over my shoulder at him and i said i heard you the first time (laughs) tina would be like really i mean you know they're friends of mine but right Irritated to the point that it was, um, you know, ridiculous that we were waiting so much.
1: Oh, well, how do you maintain friendships then?
0: <laughs> after the round.
1: Oh, you did a. Apo- oh, you apologized. So actually, the fact that I've never really been on your bad side, I don't think. No. I'm going to take that as a compliment.
0: Y- you would know, and there- <laughs> so. <sighs> I'm a very, I guess, private person, and people really don't know me. I, I guess I have a, I don't know if it would be a hard exterior, but i it takes a while to get to know me. Um, so I think, again, people misunderstand that as being cold or whatever. But I would, I consider myself very caring, compassionate, loving um, to family, friends, and co-workers, which we talked about uh, in the previous episode. But I don't think most people see that initially within me.
1: So let me ask you this then. If you think you're misunderstood, do you think it's fair? It's a fair yes. perception? Oh, it's fair. Yeah. I thought I knew you super well all these years. And then we did episode four together. And what I took away from that was you are a more caring individual than I realized. And here I'm your good friend. So... I would encourage you to show that side a little more. I mean, I think it's fair that you're misunderstood because I didn't realize that you do some of the things you do. When you show me what you told what you did for your coworkers, you take it next level. And I'll get to that here in a second. I I definitely had a different perception of, you know, mine to say that you're rigid. I hope that doesn't insult you. You got to keep in mind that's coming from a very laid back person.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tina's sister would describe me as rigid. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would describe me as very rigid.
1: So I love that you're okay with the fact that misunderstood is fair. Does it bother you at all? <laughs> oh, it doesn't bother you. It's just a—it's just the word you're using to describe yourself. Yeah, yeah. Is there something that you would love people to know more about you that is hard to do until you get to know somebody?
0: Well, I think it would be that I am a very caring person, but that side of me does. It's not easy for me to express that to casual acquaintances, I guess.
1: I can see that. It's one of those things that you get to peel the layers back a little bit.
0: I yeah. am not the person that you walk into a room and I am going to be walking around meeting and greeting everybody. I'm going to be kind of in the back of the, the room kind of hanging out.
1: You're observing the disheveled people. <laughs> <laughs> like there goes deb well there she is again (laughs) you have to conduct interviews uh in your position for your job you manage a staff of several people i can't imagine you're an easy interview uh
0: no i try and make it very comfortable for the people i interview because i know how difficult it is to be in that position so i try and keep it very loose and light and um I try and make people very comfortable. I'm not looking to, you know, call someone out and fillet them uh, during, (laughs) I just, you know, I I try and I guess would be compassionate to those folks because I know what it's like to be on the other side of the the panel.
1: What about, this is something that happens to all of us. We all get bad service when you go to a restaurant sometimes, and it can be frustrating. I always try and Take the high road and realize that sometimes it's in the kitchen, it's not the server's fault, blah, blah, blah. But how do you handle moments like that? If you don't have a poker face, how do you handle this? Uh
0: I try not to go all Karen on them and talk <laughs> to the manager and and all of that. So um our son is a server. So I I I uh I I guess I'm a little more compassionate than I probably was, but I, I travel 50, 60 percent of the time. So I'm eat out a lot. So my standards are high because I do eat out a lot. Um, but I'm not going to tear into somebody. It's not their fault. Like you said, it could be the kitchen. It could be whatever currently, you know, restaurants in general are short staff. So it's not their fault. They're doing the best they can. Sure. I try not to take it out on people for the lack of management or ownership.
1: It's funny that, um, we talk about my word, your word for me, at least was disheveled. I think I still would say busy. (laughs) It sounds better. I mean, I said it in the intro Uh, of my book and it is what it is. That's fine. You described yourself as misunderstood. How would you, if we asked your two sons, they're young adults now, how do you think they would describe you in one word? If they only get one word.
0: My younger one son, Parker would probably say rigid. Okay. Um, Gosh, I don't know what Pierce would say. Understanding, maybe.
1: Those are two different things.
0: They're two different kids.
1: That's exactly right. And you have good relationships with both of them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Okay. What about your wife?
0: (laughs) Complex.
1: (laughs) You know what? You're honest. I will say at the end of the day, you're honest in all of these. So if you missed episode four, Things we don't talk about. One of the reasons I had you on that episode, Jim, is because I loved that, you know, first you're willing to poke some fun at yourself. Uh, and so you were willing to talk about some of the idiosyncrasies or little things about you quirks. Um, and one of those is this milk thing. And you don't drink milk when you're usually on the road or traveling, but you will at home. But one thing that resonated with people was the fact that you write these thank you notes, or maybe it's a congratulations, or a note of some sort to staff members when something needs to be recognized. And so I received letters. I received emails from people who really thought that was a cool thing. I think you described it as a lost art. Is that correct?
0: Definitely. Yeah. I do a handwritten note for birthdays Any, you know, if they buy a house, if they move, um, you know, like we've just recently hired five or six new people. I write a welcome to the team, uh, handwritten note to them. Uh, I just, I feel like it's um, uh, definitely a lost art The the written note. Everyone does emails, right? And I had one of the the women that work for us uh, said that I think she's been with us five or six years and that note still sits on her desk that I sent her when she started with us.
1: Wow. That's very impactful. Well, I received several emails about it. And, you know, I received one or two. I thought that was nice. And then I started receiving more and more. I received one from Steven. I was going to share it with you, Jim. I haven't done so yet. And he wrote, hi, Deborah. I listened to your podcast today, things we don't talk about. And I want to tell you how much I really enjoyed it. Your friend Jim has inspired me to also handwrite letters to my employees, something he says he takes the time to do in a life event should be recognized, a loss of life, a wedding, a new baby, a new home, etc. It really hit home. And something that I should have been doing all along, I wanted you to know it meant so much. Dropping a note in the mail takes little time, but means so much and has an impact. Keep up the good work. Thanks for inspiring me. And I love listening. That was from Steven. How cool is that?
0: That's awesome. That makes me feel so good. And I actually have a note sitting on the floor behind me to take out to the mailbox today for a new hire. So
1: That's very cool. I will say, I mean, just to get a thank you note or any kind of a note in the mail when you're always getting bills or junk, it is nice to receive. And so I do agree with you that it's a lost art, but I love that it inspired other people. Thank you for sharing that because obviously good things are going to come from that. And I feel like it might have a a trickle down effect.
0: That's awesome.
1: For those that are listening, you know, who might be asking yourselves, well, how am I perceived? I think if you ask somebody, you have to ask a really good friend. I wouldn't ask a coworker, although how you're perceived at work also might be impacting your success, not to a huge emphasis on it but it's something worth asking yourself and asking someone that you trust because um, like I said it's it has changed how I go about some things in my life. So there's greatness in not caring what people think, which was a quote from Melissa McCarthy. Um, but then I also and this was author unknown loved this one and it says your intentions don't matter. perception is reality. so if people perceive you the wrong way, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. Just something to take with you and and think about. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me, Jim. I mean, you're now going to become like this like, pseudo famous person and I'm going to start getting you know requests for autographs or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you live close. You can come over and I'll uh, sign some photos. <laughs>
1: gosh i have created a monster it's deborah honeycutt on three hours of sleep make sure you join me next week also get those two free chapters and that intro that i mentioned uh, where i where i highlight jim of the book that i'm writing you can get those on instagram it's deborah honeycutt media and it's a free download just put your email in and it'll pop up in your inbox and we'll talk to you next week thanks for being here have a great day